0: Okay, thanks for that. We'll have one more before we're done here for your Thursday. Right now, we're going to welcome in John King, our editor at large. Do so you talk a little bit more and give us some details about that notice from the California Air Resources Board? John, thank you so much for being here today. And let's talk about this. It's a fight that's been going on now for a while. It seems like it's going to pass.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's no doubt about it that the uh, that the California Clean fleet, fleet rules is going to go in effect. Uh, they do need a waiver, as you noted before. That waiver, the the CARB has not officially asked for that waiver, but the expectation is that they will ask for it and that the, the, the federal government will grant it. I talked to Chris Shimoda of the California Trucking Association yesterday. He said there's only been one time in history that a California waiver has not been granted, and that was later reversed. So it's going to be granted. Now, I will tell you, I'm going to be really straight up with you here, and I'm going to tell you that in reviewing the many, many documents I still have a lot of questions about when are the effective dates of zero emission vehicles in the trucking fleet. We do know that you cannot register a new Z, a new ICE, internal combustion engine truck, in the drayage registry after January 1st. I'm a little less clear on the ZEV calendar for fleet trucks. Um, so I'm not going to give you the definitive answer because at at the end of the day yesterday when I wrote the story I felt that I could write the story without necessarily not ha- uh nailing that down you have to understand these are just like hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents um regarding the clean fleets rule so there is a phase out of zevs that move from 2040 to 2036 under the amendments that uh, that uh, the, the that carb came up with and introduced last month um there are some other things in there in the documents that sort of suggest not, and I need to clarify those, so I'm sorry. I like to, you know, be real authoritative, but I'm not going to try to snow you here. There are some questions I still have. But, um, you know, look, we're, we're heading to an era of ZEVs in California. The, the broader issue is that there are seven states out there, including New York, which is, you know, what, the, the fourth biggest state in the union, I guess now, um, that uh, have said that they will follow whatever California does. I think New Jersey's on that list, too. And so these are major trucking centers. And um, what, what happens is that, that auto companies and truck manufacturers, and this is going back years, they don't like the idea of two cars, meaning like a car for California and a car for the rest of the country. And the California market is so big that what happens is that the California rule becomes the rule for the rest of the nation, inevitably, as the, as the, the, the manufacturers, the OEMs, build to meet the California standard. And everybody else kind of falls in line. So you can't say this for sure, because these are really sweeping changes to take a former propulsion that has been around for, you know, 100 plus years, petroleum, and change it into something else. But that's why the rest of the country needs to watch this. It's not enough for a trucking company to just say, well, I'm just not going to go to California. It's not going to be that easy. What they do is going to have an impact. On the, outp- on the output of the OEMs for the rest of the country.
2: And John, I mean, that's a great point. I was going to lead into my next question is that, are, do you anticipate any states that would be a holdout because, you know what, we don't go to California anyway, or maybe they're just so behind and really kind of hitting this, this benchmark? I'm thinking something all, all the way on the other side. You heard, you just told us uh, New York is already going to follow suit, but maybe something like Florida, Georgia, anything like that?
1: Well, but at a certain point, there's a there's a tipping point when all the fleets, when when if, if you're a fleet and you start knocking off one state after another, I won't go there, I won't go there, I won't go there. You know, you start to really narrow your market, and um, at that point, you kind of go along with the flow. This is why California has such a tremendous clout. I still remember back in the early '90s, uh, there was there was a there was a debate and a discussion going on on a on a process. Let's note that California has been given kind of special status. By the federal government under the clean air act and that was whether the, whether cars would be ulevs ultra low emission vehicles or whether they would be levs low emission vehicles and again it came down to the whole two car issue it didn't want to have two cars so um eventually all cars are ulevs so the california has a, a lot of ability to win here
0: so John, when we talk about zero emissions vehicles, are we talking about truly zero emission from your scope one, your direct output to your scope three? And is that something that could be coming for California as well, where the point we're going to get to a point where OEMs are now forced to look at the emissions of their own supply chain and only do production from things that are zero emission throughout their supply chain? Or is it going to be that scope one that direct emission eventually with the threat to get down to that scope two, scope three?
1: It's a good question and I'm not really sure what the, the pathway is. Um, I believe that, um, I, I think everything here is scope one emissions, but, but you, you make the point that everybody in the supply chains now are looking at scope three emissions. So they are looking up and down their supply chain. So nobody's gonna be able to hide.
2: And John, we're looking at this. Um, do you see any kind of um, halfway or you know benchmarks that are gonna need to be hit by the industry as a whole in order to meet this goal, potentially at twenty thirty six, um, are there any things that you know we would have to see happen by say you know twenty thirty to make sure that we're online for this potential target here?
1: Yeah, there are percentages, uh, and this is where I kind of falling down, and I kind of ended the day yesterday with some questions. Put the story out anyway, um, but the uh, there there are questions. There, there is a what they call milestones that the fleet has fleets have to be a certain percentage. And again, it's not all just heavy-duty fleets have a different milestone than medium-duty fleets. Um, You have to have a certain percentage by a certain point uh, along the calendar. I I can't rip those off off the top of my head, but your question is dead on. Yes, there are milestones that have to be met.
2: And John, real quick, while we still have you on here, of course, we have to ask you about the latest numbers from the DOE. And are there any changes going on there?
1: No, I mean, they, it was down for the eighth straight week and I guess 18 out of the last 20 weeks it's been down. I know Donnie and Tony were just speaking. I will say that um, diesel on the futures market this week has been noticeably lower than changes in the price of crude. Uh, I'm not, I, I think a lot of it is that the, the, the demand figures that are coming out of the DOE, uh, out of their, uh, their Wednesday report, continue to be sluggish. Uh, and look, that's not surprising, right? You know, Freight wave covers the freight market. We know that the, the freight market is sluggish. So that that would turn into lower diesel demand is not surprising. So this is a week where even though the price of crude has mostly trended higher, uh, on the futures market at least, the price of diesel has trended lower.
2: And John, if people want to drill a little bit deeper into your content, how can they do that?
1: Well, they can watch Drilling Deep. Uh, which is the uh, video podcast that drops every Friday at three PM, as the screen shows right now. This week we've got Ben Wiesen of Carry Logistics. They are a software supplier to the LTL industry. He's going to talk about the whole phenomenon of truckload companies moving into LTL carriers. Uh, it's notable that last week, when uh, uh, Knight Swift bought U.S. Express, uh, my colleague, like um, my, my colleague Todd Maiden, had a story in which it was said that that Knight Swift which already bought a big LTL carrier last year a couple years ago, uh, was still on the hunt for more LTL assets. So we're going to kind of talk about that, uh, that idea of what happens when you try to put an LTL carrier together with a truckload carrier.
2: Amazing. John, thanks for joining us this morning. Looking forward to that episode. Thank you. Right now we're going to head over to the wall because we have Kaylee Nix with our next weather hit.
0: anthony thank you there and we are moving back out to the west coast where we've got a little bit of a reprieve in some of the heavy california snow going on but still really wet conditions across southern california specifically from la down into the san diego area people typically think of san diego as a it's sunny and 75 every day has not been the case for about the last month and a half so let's go ahead and take a look at the map we've got both the radar and the cloud presentations turned on our satellite presentation We can see right now, we are losing that kind of streak of moisture coming in off the Pacific because the center of circulation that was hanging out off the coast of California very quickly has now moved up into the mountains of Idaho. This right here, this kind of circular look that you can see, that's the area of low pressure and that's what's going to kick off the area of really strong storms that are expected tomorrow night and into your Saturday morning across the um, central parts of the Midwest. We can really start to see kind of that classic shape. This is really where that cold front is right now. to ramp up pretty strongly here in the next few hours bringing the winter weather across the dakotas and the severe storms there but back to california they're in a little bit of a break as far as the extreme precipitation goes from the monterey bay area up through the northern parts of the state more moisture hanging out on the backside being pulled in right now from the north northwest into la down to the uh, san diego areas as well further out towards the west though across the ocean our next round of moisture and storm is setting up Again, for California, they'll get the break this weekend and then see that next round move into the start of next week. As we mentioned earlier and have talked about now for a while, California is well over their yearly average for snowfall and for their rainfall so far. It's good news as far as drought conditions go, but has been really terrible in some of their infrastructure out there. Everything from roads to power lines to trees has suffered. They'll get a little bit of a break this weekend and then see that next round ramp up to start off next week. That's it for this check of weather. You'll get one more for your Thursday morning before we are done here for the day. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with On The
1: Spot.